Hi, welcome to our Hope Talk of the Week. Welcome if you, you've just discovered Hope, just come across us, uh, or if you've been part of the church for many years. Um, we're a, a small church on the hillside uh, in, in Bristol, uh, nestled between the suspension bridge and the docks, and we're a, a church community of followers of Jesus, uh, people that are involved in all different areas of life, and uh, across the city and towns and villages around and uh, we love the, the journey of following Jesus together, taking risks, taking about his word and what he says in the Bible and, uh, and, and together seeing our lives change and seeing lives around us change. So that's what we're about. And uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. We're here in Hope Chapel. Uh, Andrew and myself have had uh, the food bank's been happening here this morning and this afternoon. Hope on Wednesday's meeting, so you might hear some chatter from them. And this is the second in our series. We're looking at... Um, who is Jesus uh, from the Gospel of John? John being one of the four biographies of Jesus that forms the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And so I'm going to hand over to Andrew, who's going to take us into this. Uh, into this. And as he speaks and as he does, let's uh, let's just start by praying for um, for ourselves, shall we? Lord, we pray that as Andrew um, speaks to us today, as he opens up the Bible to us, we, we want to be fed. We want to see you for who you are. We want to see us for who we are and see the world for, in the way that you see it. So we just come with our hands open, uh, metaphorically speaking, just saying we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to be fed. And we pray you do that today through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Chris. And uh, it's great to be sharing and speaking. If you don't know me, my name's Andrew. I'm part of the family here at Hope. And we're in the second week of a new series looking at Jesus from the book of John. And really the aim of the series is just to have time and space to reflect on moments from his life, to to reflect on the amazingness of who he is, to just be impacted by the glory of Jesus. So last week, Rosh kicked us off and I really recommend that he just focused on John 1.1 and uh, it was a really lovely place to start, a really good place to start, because it focuses on how John begins his whole um, recounting of the life of Jesus, his record of, of Jesus in the whole book. He starts by really clearly laying out that Jesus is God, that Jesus was with God at the beginning, that through Jesus all things are made. There's nothing that was made outside of him, that he was with God and he is God. And it's from that place that I want to, to head into what I want to say today. So I just wanted to read uh, the first few verses of John chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, do do turn there with me. Um, that's where John is in my Bible, so you're sort of four-fifths of the way through. And the, I just want to read the first three verses, John 1, verses 1 to 3. This is what John says. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word is Jesus. Uh, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. I just want to read verse 3 again. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Now, the reason that John starts with these, these verses just really clearly laying out that Jesus is God he was before anything was created. He is a source of all creation. Is because the rest of the book, John gives examples of Jesus' time on earth as a human 
And he, he wants his readers to see that Jesus was the Messiah, the, the, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh. And so he starts with the kind of that broader brushstroke picture of this is who we're talking about, God himself. And then all these other interactions in the rest of the book of John are meant to demonstrate and prove that very point. And what's lovely about and challenging but exciting about this whole way that John does it is that you have this tension of the fact that Jesus is God, but Jesus is also a man. That he he was before everything was created, and yet every story in the book of John is about a moment when Jesus is really present with individuals at a specific time. And those tensions are meant to help us to see the uh, the bigness and the intimacy of God. The fact that he's he's over and above everything, and yet he's intensely interested and passionate about uh, moments and individuals. And I'm reading a book at the minute by John Piper called Seeing and Savouring Jesus Christ. And each chapter is just a, a little reflection on an aspect of who Jesus is designed to help the reader to um, worship, to just say, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. And in one chapter, he quotes Jonathan Edwards, who was a, a church leader from, from 250 plus years ago. And he says this, what, what makes Christ glorious? as Jonathan Edwards observed over 250 years ago, is an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. I wouldn't write like that. That's fine. It's a bit It's a bit wordy. But what he means is, is part of what makes Jesus glorious is that he can hold together within him things that seem to be opposites or really far apart, such as he is totally full of justice and yet he's overflowing with mercy that he is really powerful and yet incredibly gentle, things like this. And and on the biggest scale, one of these these biggest um, opposites that Jesus holds within himself is the fact that he is God, but he is also man. And so what I want to do today is, is to look at a moment in the book of John where, and and try to reflect on how mind blowing it is that, that it is God in a man interacting in a moment and how we can gloss over it very quickly and miss those two truths and happening at the same time to one person in such an intense and powerful moment. And I've titled my talk, The Sunburnt Sunmaker, and I'll come on to explain why that is later. But turn with me to John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles uh, with you, if you don't, please grab one or load it up on your phone. John chapter four. So the story here is, is that Jesus is um, on a journey and he has to go through an area called Samaria to get to where he's going. And um, let me read from John chapter four, uh, verse four. He had to go through Samaria on the way to where he was going. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I want to stop there. So, John 1 tells us that everything was made through Jesus. And here's Jesus. He's tired by the sun that he made. 
he's hot because of the thing, like he made the thing making him hot. He stops by a well because he needs a drink. And the reason he needs a drink is because he made the human body to depend on water. So he's thirsty because he made our need for thirst. He's tired because he made our physical limitations. He's hot because he made the, he made the world. And so the geography of where he was walking that was close to the equator and the time of day that he was at, that the sun was at the, at the top of the sky, that was all his conception. And then in this moment, the one who made all of that is sat in a place, physical place, a physical moment on earth, looking at the sun that he made. And no one else can do that. No one else can say or claim to be able to sit by a well feeling tired because they made the body themselves, hot because they made the sun, thirsty because they made the need for water. There's something incredibly powerful and humbling that Jesus was the fullness of God in a person was present in a moment. He made time. So he's he's in a moment in time, but he's the one who made time. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And the reason that the one who created all of this, outside of whom nothing was created, so everything that's made is through this guy, the reason that he chose to kind of step into the very creation that he created was to have interactions with with other people like he has in this story. And so you see the humility of God, the humility of Jesus to submit himself to the limitations and the conditions of the human body that he has no need to submit himself to because he's God. He doesn't need to feel tired. He doesn't need to feel thirsty. He doesn't need to be constrained to a moment in time, but he is. Why? Because it makes the interaction more meaningful, more powerful, and more human. We learn a lot about what God values by how he does things, where he chooses to be, his choices, his decisions. In this story, he walks away from an area where he's beginning to get a following to go somewhere else. And on the way, he stops and he sits by a well at the hottest part of the day and waits. Why is he waiting? Because he's waiting for one person. He's waiting for a woman who is only going to come to the well because she knows at that time of day that no one else will be there. Because she's, she's full of shame about the way that she's living. And so she doesn't want anybody to see her. But just like Jesus, she's thirsty too. And she arrives at the well and he's waiting. The God who made time wastes time to wait for her. I've gone a long time and I was looking at my notes, so I've got to check here because. Yeah. And God does exactly, Jesus does exactly this with you and me, that he, he enters into a moment of time to wait for us, to be ahead of us, waiting for us to arrive at the place. Often, sometimes 
in the places that we feel, you know, the, where we're trying to be less visible because we're ashamed. That's where he's waiting. That the God who made time enters time for you. That he restricts himself to a moment, for a moment, to be with you. Amen. So, let's hope on Wednesday, could we grab in some chairs? We've got to sit. So what does it do to us if we can reflect on this amazing uh, value of Jesus that he creates everything and yet restricts himself into creation? Well, one of the things I've been thinking about, well, firstly, I just want you to worship. I want you to reflect on this, that as you read the rest of John, to see these interactions, but remember that he is the one who made it all. That when he talks about shaking the dust off your feet, he made the dust, he made the feet. When he's carrying the cross, he made the wood. He made the road. He made the air. He made the metal that makes the spear that pierces the side. He makes the rock that makes the stone that rolls in front of the tomb. He literally makes it all, and yet he puts himself underneath it. Why? Because he wants to interact meaningfully within time with people just like you and me. That's the kind of God that we're talking about. And that's why we worship, because there's no one else like him. But one of the things, the other things I want to draw out of this is that... um, Jesus wants this woman in John chapter 4 to encounter God. And God is hidden, veiled within Jesus. And so we, we have, if you read later on, you have this story where, where it becomes increasingly evident that she's not talking to a man and it's a bit confusing. Are they talking about water or are they talking about another kind of water? And, and slowly Jesus reveals that she's encountering God. And so... Um, As Jesus was God in the flesh, not in the same way, but actually as Christians, God has come to dwell within us. That we are beings of flesh, and yet within us, God lives. And so what if we were to wait ahead of people to enable them to encounter God? What if we had the same beautiful, total lack of preconceptions, sense of wasting, wasting time to be able to wait for someone as God leads to enable them to encounter God, the God that is hidden within your flesh, within my flesh. And I wanted to share, because part of this series, we want to share times and and stories from our lives that uh, I guess that are relevant to what we're talking about. And I've shared in previous talks, the past six months have been pretty challenging for me, uh, especially in March, April kind of time. And um, I I was suffering quite badly with anxiety at the time and lots to learn from that. You know, anxiety isn't God's best for me, but God sure does teach me through it. So I want to grow out of it, but I also want to learn the lessons that he reveals in the midst of it. And in this this, um, latest period of anxiety, what I found that I did... Um, often is that I would I would pick up the phone to call someone and I would be thinking, I, I you know I, I'm looking for a solution from that person, and they never had it, never had the solution. I always came off the phone disappointed. And then there was this one there was this one time when I I decided I felt um, part of the challenge of the anxiety was that I couldn't talk to my wife as much because we just had a baby and so she was asleep with the baby and so where previously when I felt funny or anxious I would have just talked to Rebecca and we would have prayed it through 
that option was taken away. And so I was by myself, uh, middle of the, not middle of the night, felt like middle of the night because when you have a baby, the nighttime starts at 7 p.m. It was probably only about 10 p.m. But I, I was feeling really, really funny and I, I just felt like I should go for a walk. I felt the Holy Spirit say, go for a walk and call my twin sister. And I called my twin sister and she um, she just gave me this advice about trying to remember uh, specific kind of things that God has taught me in the midst of anxiety and build what's called an Ebenezer, a sort of a, a, a monument of remembrance where you can just think about all the things that God has said and the ways that he has been faithful and helped during my times of anxiety. And that massively helped me. And as I was reading John 4, what it made me think was that when... When I when I try when I am looking for someone else to be Jesus, I don't find him. So when I'm picking up the phone looking for someone else to be the solution, I don't find God. Because they're not Jesus. But when I'm looking for Jesus, he can reveal himself through other people. Let me say that again. If I look for someone else to be Jesus, if I want them to be my solution, I don't find God. I don't have a meaningful conversation with God where peace because I'm putting a divine expectation on someone who is not divine. I'm expecting someone to be God who is not God. However, if I'm willing to be led by God, then often he will um, use people to reveal himself. The difference is, um, what are you looking for? Are you looking for him or are you looking for a solution elsewhere? And in John 4, as much as we can be people who reveal God hidden in our flesh, also God wants to reveal himself to us through other people's flesh. But the subtle change is to not try to look for a solution in someone else, not to put that pressure on them to be the great solution finder that God is, but to allow God to reveal himself through other people, but recognising that is God. So I, I'm aware there are a few different sort of application points from John 4. Uh, I think there are three. The first one is just to be amazed at the fact that Jesus, who created the world, who created time, who created the sun, the sun maker was sitting underneath the sun, getting sunburned by the sun he made. The sunburned sun maker that is sitting by a well which has got full of water that he made, feeling thirst that he made that he submits himself to the very creation that he did. Why? To encounter one person. That's the kind of God we believe in. Secondly, that as he, as Jesus, revealed God hidden within him or, or, or sort of hidden in his essence, hidden in the flesh, so we as people who God has come to live within, how can we reveal God to others, give people God encounters through being led by the Holy Spirit to be ahead of them, waiting for them, willing to meet them in the place that they don't really want anybody to see them in a way that we are totally free from misconceptions, preconceptions or judgments. That we are meant to give people God encounters, not through our own effort, but by being sensitive and led by the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, is that if we want to encounter God through other people, we must not put the pressure on them to be God, but allow God to reveal himself through them. And that was a story that I told about my twin sister, that I initially, with other people, I was expecting them to give me the solution, but that was bad theology, bad way of living. It didn't work. But when I actually was turning to God, he directed me to somebody and revealed himself through that person. 
So there's a subtle change there. So that's all I want to say from John 4. I really would love you to read it, to read it through, to be amazed at Jesus in it, and to really think about how that applies to you and your relationship with Jesus, but also how Jesus might want to position you to be sitting by a well waiting for someone to give them a God encounter. So let me pray for us, read John 4, and then we'll finish there. Holy Spirit, thank you so much that that Jesus was the source of all creation, that, that there is nothing that was made that wasn't made by him, through him, and for him. Thank you that he was with God from the beginning and that he is God. And yet thank you, Father, that that he enters into time, into moments to, to give meaningful, significant encounters with us, to be with us, to speak with us, that he waits for us, that he's willing to feel thirst, to get tired, to be ready to meet us. And Father, would, would you teach us how to be like that too? Would you teach us how to be present in a moment, to be ready and prepared to allow your spirit to reveal himself through us being present, available and ready to be sometimes waiting for um, somebody to come, that we're always ready to reveal that living water that bubbles up, that Holy Spirit that bubbles up. We're, We're there ready to give the people or allow the encounter with God to flow through us. And Jesus, would you help us to not turn looking for a solution uh, from other people, but will we turn to you, the great solution bringer, the great problem solver, the great prayer answerer, but be humble enough to know that often you will direct us to people and reveal yourself through them. That as you hid your nature in flesh in Jesus, so you continue to hide your nature in people of flesh other people around us today and give us the wisdom to find you in each other. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much and do tune in for next uh, next talk next week.